Welcome to Six Degrees of Rumination with your host, Nina Boyd. Rena Gorman. And their producer, Mike. We got a fun animal uh, episode for you tonight. It's going to include stuff like uh, pig's brains. Uh, dolphins, as we typically like to include. Language mm-hmm. and domestication of other animals. And surprising things we didn't realize other animals had. <laughs> I don't want to give it away all at once. You know. But we're going to start off with that surprising thing. That's true. Good. Also, welcome to episode 108. Thanks for staying with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so when you look at a snake, you don't see its ears, right? Its ears are not on the outside, but I think they can they hear? I feel like that don't they have holes that we just don't notice, but they sense vibrations. I don't they know sense if they vibrations, hear. They sense vibrations, which is what hearing is, basically. Is it? My point is they don't have okay. ear lobes on the outside. Right. And they uh, apparently they don't have clitorises too. Wait, no, they do. They do have clitorises. What? what? Who would have thought? Oh man, my world just changed. Yep. I've never seen someone get so excited over a what, snake what, having what? a clitoris. Well, then you know I'm a little worried see how excited we are look at these scientists who wrote the article the it's, research involved it's Jeez. pronounced clitoris <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening <laughs> have a wonderful night we're done <laughs> oh man um, so apparently like the 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 jury was out for a while and whether or not snakes had clitori is that like a typical topic in a jury room if snakes <laughs> <laughs> it's a hung jury Oh my God! Because um, you can't really see them, and uh, you know, I don't. I guess rattle, you know, rattlesnakes and such are maybe hard to kind of study. And it's like having your own personal vibrator. Oh, jeez! Yeah. <laughs> she always knows when he's coming. <laughs> Dang, we're off to a good start here. Um, so uh, let's see here. This biologist evolutionary biologist megan falwell was trying to research it and she couldn't get a clear answer as to whether or not snakes had clitori so she went to explore it herself and apparently uh, wait hold on what does that mean exactly clitori <laughs> she explored it herself she <laughs> she ex- she did the studying of don't snake go like clitoris. this what you're saying <laughs> Shake my okay head. i know i'm joking but i'm seriously i'm wondering how you could possibly did she drill off this. a bunch of snakes? I mean, snakes? the only way to prove it, because we all know what its function is, like, you can't just look at it and be like, yep, that looks like a clitoris on a snake. Like, you have to study and prove that it functions in that way. So, this is how they did it. Okay. You sick, twisted fucks. <laughs> they took a dead snake. Oh, no. Chopped open the tissue and searched around for some lumps. Mm some bumps and they found some and then they studied that that lump of tissue under a microscope to see what it was and it's totally different from the other uh bumps of tissue that they have and it was packed full of nerve endings oh, and okay. you know what that means i know what that means um apparently birds don't have clits all the uh, other animals do reptiles have clits that's kind of a bummer Mammals for birds clits. yeah birds they grew out of them well, when you look at like, I mean, if you, <laughs> you're not the right, 
It's <laughs> a great way to say it, but... No, I don't know if it is. But if you look at... <laughs> it was like, a phase. It's just a phase. They are over it now. No, I don't want to send people on a scary rabbit hole on the internet, although that is really the only thing the internet is for anymore. But there is a... <laughs> Searching clitorises? <laughs> no. There is a chart of like the different shapes of penises in the animal world. And if you look up oh, a yeah. duck, for instance, it's like a super fucked up looking thing. Yeah. Maybe it makes sense that like ducks clitorises kind of like they evolved away from it because they're like there's no way this could be pleasurable anyway what's the point like a, a duck penis is like a curvy spiky covered thing it's yeah. very it looks like a torture device yeah so maybe birds don't want clitorises oh, fuck that it's not worth it they're like right exactly so anyway but the snake has one yeah so problem solved question solved snakes they got clits yeah um which Leads us to our next story. Oh, okay. That's our it. favorite. Yeah. I think so, yeah. I don't okay. know if there's anything There's left. nothing Most, more to say. Pretty much says Mysteries of the life are disappearing as we research further <laughs> and further. Um, so yeah, this one comes from uh, May 4th, 2022. Um, two researchers in Bolivia went down into, um, I'm assuming the Amazon, and they happened to find a couple of dolphins swimming in the river mm, like innocently swimming just enjoying their day they were enjoying it i don't know if they're innocent they actually didn't realize what was happening until they developed the photos or they looked at the at the photos these two male dolphins were passing around uh, an anaconda snake passing around passing like, around oh no in yeah. possibly a sexual way um, and the snake was probably dead because they photographed it for like at least seven minutes. Jeez. Um, so it probably drowned. Oh, and it's even more messed up of the dolphins. Yeah. That's <laughs> some breath play there. Mm. Um, yeah. So they, what they think is happens, they drowned the snake and then they were toying with it and enjoying themselves. They know that they're enjoying themselves because they could see their weird looking penis sticking out. Those penises, dolphins. peni, clitori, and peni. Is that I can't do a good dolphin voice, but I was going to make a joke that it's pronounced like peni, but they do that weird squeaking like So, yeah, definitely like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the sound of dolphin penis. So maybe they were pleasuring themselves with this extra long snake, um, which may or may not have had a clitoris. They don't know if the snake was male or not. Oh, that's true. Um it might have been that they were just kind of showing off to each other or like maybe it was like a, a it could have been like an older male dolphin and a younger uh, male dolphin and the older dolphin was just showing the young one like hey there's snakes here oh. we gotta fuck them up and drown them if you come across them cause like they're big dangerous snakes and then like the dolphins got super aroused because they were planning <laughs> to hunt down the pr- I mean well but animals I do that I love it when you teach me about dangerous daddy <laughs> Jeez, this podcast got awkward quick but in the animal world and I, I feel like in the human world this happens we just don't talk about it and we politely ignore it but like in the animal world it's very hard to ignore like there's a definite crossover in a Venn diagram between like aggression and hunting and sex and all these other things you know so and I think that animals get like especially dogs like they'll get aroused when they're excited if they're mm-hmm. not neutered, you know? So these dolphins being in the wild were probably not neutered either. And they were just like, we're just getting excited. About we're living it up. We're ready to go. Like whether it's killing or procreating, you know? So, 
So, Mike's yeah. just looking at me like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. No, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I just don't know why we're talking about it. Well, it's just someone funny. had to. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, and these, these look like, these are like pink looking dolphins I know. too. They're, well, there are pink dolphins. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, if it's Bolivia, it just makes it sense. even more phallic. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It does. Couldn't have been bottlenose. Nope. It had to be these pink dolphins. <laughs> had to be snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think we're ready to move on from that. Yeah, I think so. But we're, this is another story of animals pairing up, just not in a in a different way. In a different way. In yeah, a nice way, maybe. This one. This one's pretty interesting. Um, so there's these galata uh, monkeys. Almost looks like gelato, but galata. Um, gelato. Gelata. Gelata. Gelata monkeys. How many monkeys? Gelata <laughs> monkeys. Gelata monkeys. <laughs> you got a lot of gelata monkeys. <laughs> this is my Saturday night. Yeah. You're could welcome. Be could be worse. You could uh, be that snake. That's true. Being tossed around between dolphins. Oh, no. God. You thought about it for a second. I saw that. I know. <laughs> I contemplated. <laughs> um, so these uh, gelata monkeys, they're in Ethiopia in the grasslands. These monkeys... Uh, live in small groups, usually in their families. Sometimes they live in uh, groups of a hundred or so, or a couple hundred. And they live almost entirely off of grass, which is, I guess, called a graminivore. I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's grass-specific, not just like plants yeah. in general. I didn't know they do that. And uh, they're the only living uh, primate that live mostly on grass. They eat 90% grass. They must eat something else, but they mostly eat grass. Anyways... These monkeys have another species of animal that hangs out with them. The Ethiopian Ethiopian wolf will hang out in their midst like it's no big deal. The the monkeys pay them no mind and vice versa. That's crazy. You'd think, you know. You'd think that like the monkeys would try to attack them or like the wolves would just eat the monkeys. But yeah. No, they looks like they've got some kind of some kind of partnership going on, some kind of symbiosis going on, and they haven't really pinpointed yet. And some people kind of uh, said this almost looks like the monkeys are uh, domesticating the wolves. Maybe they're like using the wolves for like protection or for like this or that. Maybe not hunting because they don't hunt really the monkeys that is. Yeah. But um, what they did discover after researching this for a while is that the wolves that hung out with the monkeys... These wolves had a higher success rate of uh, hunting rodents for whatever reason. Maybe the monkeys, uh, in their graminivorous uh, <laughs> escapades, they scatter. You know, the rodents scatter, and that makes it really easy for the wolves to pick them off. Or maybe the uh, the rodents uh, have the guards dropped since they're hanging around docile monkeys, and out of nowhere, this wolf comes around and eats them. Who knows? But the wolves are getting more mice or rodents or whatever when they are hanging out with the monkeys. And I would assume that the monkeys are getting fucked with less with wolves hanging out. Yeah, I would assume so too. You know. Hmm. Well, that's um, cool for them. Yeah. They said there was one case that they saw where like a wolf did like fuck with one of the baby monkeys Aww. and then the monkeys like uh, chased off the wolf and they never let that wolf come back again. And they were like really hyper vigilant around other wolves. So I guess it does happen every once in a while. But it's also interesting that they wouldn't then chase away all wolves indiscriminately. Like they were like this particular wolf, like they understood I'm not sure the if they chase off all the other wolves, though, too. Oh, okay. They need to kind of scan over. It'd be cool if they didn't, and they really, like, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, got the nuance of it. Do, 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 do. Um, one of the things they mention is that they're probably not domesticating the wolf, or if they are, it doesn't matter because the wolves are about to go extinct. There's about 450 Ethiopian wolves left, like in the entire world. So chances are they're not going to be around for much longer, long but enough do, to be domesticated. Oh, do Ethiopian wolves live anywhere but Ethiopia? I'm not sure. I didn't really say. They're probably somewhere, maybe somewhere around that area. But yeah, um, we started domesticating um, wolves somewhere between 11,000 to maybe as late as 40,000 years ago. It's a pretty big time time frame. Yeah. Um, And they basically assumed like with the we humanoid primates uh, domesticated wolves. Uh, because it uh, helped us hunt. They like we like shared food. They would like, catch food. We'd catch food. We yeah. share it with each other, and it just it was a nice symbiotic relationship. And who read Julia of the Wolves in school? I did. I liked that book. I don't think I ever read that book. She mm-hmm. must have been in Alaska, I think, and it was just the story of like a a young girl who was part of a tribe that had domesticated wolves, and they used them for like transport and things like that. And then she got separated from her family and town and the wolves like helped her survive when oh, nice. she was out in the wilderness and it was just a very you know touching coming of age story if only we could read their minds or like talk to these these primates or talk to the wolves maybe we'd be able to figure out what they're saying or what what's up with them maybe we could if that was the next article but it's actually the chimpanzee article but it's okay. We'll switch them. That's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> no, it's different. Because, so, okay. Which one should we do? AI, chimps. The the chimps, the vocal recordings, the chimps. Okay. So, people have been researching animal language for a long time. And I think what we would like to find out is that they're similar to us and they communicate in ways we could eventually understand. But there's such a wide variety of types of language and so many nuances within language it's really hard even to figure out if something qualifies as a language and then from that point to figure out what all of the tiny little different sounds an animal makes would mean if we could read their language so people have done this study with about 5,000 recordings of wild adult chimpanzees in a national park on the ivory coast and when they looked at um when they listened to the recordings and they started sort of like itemizing the structure of all the calls the chimps gave each other, they found 390 unique vocal sequences and they were kind of assembled like sentences based Mm. on like, you know, cause like if you're code breaking or something, you start to identify like patterns and things and like you hear the same sound again and you know what it is. So they did a similar thing with these recordings and they were able to identify something like sentence structure, which is pretty cool. So, the article makes the point that, you know, we as humans have a really complex language and 390 sequences doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to what we do. But you have to remember that maybe we're, first of all, not finding everything they say yet. The recordings might not be enough to determine what these chimps are saying. And either way, that's a lot um, compared to other animals. So it's really cool. One of my favorite parts of this article is what, like the terms they have for the different vocalizations of chimps. Um, like one of them is hoo-hoos, which I find. What's a hoo-hoo? I, I can guess. I think it's like what it sounds like, like a hoo-hoo, you know. 
<laughs> sort of thing. Because they don't I know really, what it sounds they like. Don't what really, does it mean? <laughs> they don't really get into like what it means. I think it means that boobs. They, no, it doesn't. But they Universal do, language. Let me see your hoo-hoos. Okay, so there's grunts. There's grunts, pants. There's hoos, barks, screams, and whimpers. Um, and so the researchers identified twelve different call types in those recordings, and those are some of them. And they also could determine what they might mean based on, I assume, the context of the chimps while they were being recorded. Uh, so single grunts are mostly directed at food, and panted grunts are emitted as a submissive greeting vocalization. So, you know, obviously, like, the, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? A, a panting grunt emitted as a submissive greeting vocalization. Yeah. So, uh, <sighs> <laughs> I guess I'll be nice to you because you're the dominant leader in the pack or whatever. Or they yeah. found the clit. So, well, that, <sighs> they have... <laughs> there's single who's, which are emitted to threats, and panted who's are used in inter-party communication. So I guess if you're like in a group of your like chimp friends, you know, you do that sort of panted who. So like a single who would be like a who, and yeah. then like a panted who would be like a who. I think so, yeah. And maybe I misquoted when I said hoo-hoos, but I'm really hoping that that's one of the phrases because I can see a chimpanzee doing that. Maybe it's just a single who all the time. So 390 different like sentences, basically, that they were... Yeah, yeah like unique vocal phrase sequences kind of yeah, sequences. Built off of 12 main different call types. Which is cool. That's and I pretty assume, cool. I wonder if that works in... Like, I don't know how complex this gets, but you know how some languages... Um, like the tone of your voice changes the meaning of the word. I guess they mm -hmm. all do, but do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a specific thing no, in yeah, the language like structure. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if in, in these, cause there's only 12 building blocks, but 390 different sequences. I wonder if pauses factor in, you mm -hmm. know, like that means something that would be kind of cool. And I think it's neat to find that animals have language. Like we know they communicate, but you know, if they are talking in a way we could eventually translate, if we could only like get a system that could figure out how to interpret what these animals are saying, and maybe we don't have to spend all of the manpower of researchers, like you know, painstakingly going over recordings and figuring it out uh, with computers or paper, whatever they do. Um, the next step in this sort of animal communication industry is programming AI to yeah. translate what they're to, saying well AI to translate and then ai to like respond to it too because like re ai can recreate vocalization sounds yeah probably way better than we could if we we're trying to imitate a chimpanzee i think so, so ai is yeah. going to be talking to species before we are which is kind of sad because we've done all that work you know to figure out what they might be saying like dolphin trainers do a similar thing these people with the chimp recordings you know jane goodall with her sign language and then after all that, if AI can talk to animals before we do, it's kind of sad that humans wouldn't get, you know, we didn't get there first. That benefit, but um, I guess the cool thing about this technology, at least what they're attempting, is they they want the AI to be able to interpret all animal language, and they're obviously feeding a lot of information into it to get it to that point, but it wouldn't just be a program for, like, chimpanzees or a program for dolphins or, you know, the program could end up being, like, a universally used AI program to interpret all language from all animals, like, down to bumblebees. That's weird to know? think of, like, AI just being able to talk to any species it wants to yeah. eventually. But what they did is they, they did stuff like... Um, 
like with whales, this has been going on for a long time when people record whale songs and then they try to play it back to the whales to see if the whale reacts to it and if the language is meaningful, you know? They're like, hey, fucker, that's my own song, dude. <laughs> yeah. ripping me off. It's copyrighted. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with that one. <laughs> so they've been doing that for a while, but I think specifically with this AI, they're trying to do that more in depth and get it to work like further across the board, you know? So I think it's kind of crazy that it could work from dolphins to bumblebees. Like the languages are so different. Don't between the bumblebees two. do like a little like solar dance? Like they yeah, they move. So like, how's the how's the it. AI supposed to talk back? I think that in well, dance. If I had to guess, because the article doesn't get into it, but I think part of what they're doing when they feed the AI information, I'm sure they put video in there. I'm sure they try to like okay. describe sense to it and stuff like like a you know olfactory sense, not like sense like senses. And maybe if the AI, maybe there's part of a program where the AI takes in the bumblebee's language and, you know, like synthesizes it, whatever, and then like puts on the screen for a human to read. Here's how you say, act, or move, you know, to do this thing. But a bumblebee isn't going to look at a person and pay attention to its movement. It's not a bee. Like a person doing a solar dance <laughs> won't be the same as a bee. Maybe you dress up like a bee like I did for Halloween. Did you really? I dressed up like a bee Last for Halloween. Halloween? Yep. Yeah. Where oh. were you for Halloween? We were, was I a witch again? I think so. I'm a witch a lot. Old hat. All yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full time. So Mike. Yeah. Mike you was you, you uh, dressed up as? I'm trying to remember. I think I just wore my Freddy Krueger sweater. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's all it was. It's kinda casual. Yeah. Yeah. It's a casual Friday sweater. Casual costume. Okay, so did see you're moving on. Oh, this one. Yeah, you read this one. I did. I ha- I don't have a segue for it except to say that, you know, speaking of language, sometimes things are talking and we're not really clear on who the language is for, but they're definitely communicating. So people have been doing research with plants for a long time. Um, I think it began in the 70s when they were trying to figure out and prove whether plants felt pain, you know? Oh, yeah. And that was a whole thing. And the... the um, experiments they performed indicated that yes plants do feel pain and also indicated that plants respond to different environments and different emotions like you can grow a plant perfectly well if you take care of it correctly and you follow all the rules and everything else but a plant can really thrive when it when you show it love you know and -hmm. that's where the experiments get a little fuzzier and it's like how do you prove that except to say these are the results we had but people have also been wondering if plants express the pain they're feeling, you know, like not just reacting to it with vibrations that could be picked up with a sort of like lie detector kind of equipment, but do they make any sort of like visible reaction to it? Do they make any noise about it? And what researchers have found is yes, if plants are undergoing stress, whether it's being like pruned or or like, you know, dying of dehydration or something like that, they make a little popping noise. <laughs> and it's I played the video for Reno and the video is embedded within this article, but we could try to get it to be picked up on the microphone here. So here's what plants do. Here's the sound that they make. It's not audible to our ears, but instruments pick it up.
And this is the sound of an unhappy plant. Well, I don't want to say unhappy, but like, because we can't measure emotion, like if it has a mood, but yeah, a plant under stress. And that could be anything from like not having enough water to like its root system was damaged or there's a parasite or you're like pulling stuff off of it, you know. Maybe it's just trying to play drums and it just has really bad rhythm. <laughs> Plants have notoriously have bad rhythm. But how, is, how are these sounds being made? So that's the part that scientists haven't figured out yet. But there is a theory mm. that um, when a plant has um, these sort of like changes within it, let's see. Okay, so dehydrated plants experience something called cavitation where there's air bubbles in the stem and those air bubbles expand and collapse and the article yeah compares it to cracking your knuckles which reno's doing right now obviously so again like the sounds these plants make are not audible to the human ear but they could be picked up with super sensitive instruments that detect all kinds of sounds our own ears can't hear i wonder so if like when thing. we crack our knuckles they're like oh sure are they talking to me no nope, no nope, they're just cracking their own knuckles okay but okay. i wonder like plants don't have a way of hearing sounds do they not that i know i don't know i did i didn't know they could pop their knuckles either that's so. <laughs> true yeah so i wonder if they hear things you know and this article gets into some stuff i find really interesting it's not just about the plant is making this noise and we can theorize from observation it makes the noise because it's under stress that's cool whatever but also it leads us to other questions like what is the point of of a plant making this sound who can hear it we can't hear it we end up being caretakers of plants a lot because people like to have them around we buy them we put them in our yards we grow them you know but mm -hmm. humans can't hear the sounds i think that sometimes um insects can according to this um and birds so insects and birds interact with plants all the time and the article mm -hmm. talks about how you know if a moth is trying to like find a a good leaf to lay its eggs underneath it listens to a plant and it can pick up on like is this plant healthy will my eggs be safe here or not and other plants can um not hear these sounds i guess but like plants send out other signals when they're unhealthy like they send out a, a smell you know um that other plants notice and like other species around notice and they can tell if a plant has been infected by a parasite and so those other plants are like okay i'm gonna put more defense systems up i don't want this parasite i'm gonna like bulk up or like store nutrients or take in more water or whatever plants do that's similar to humans you know so that could be um how it's all connected but i think it's crazy that we so often grow plants and we would never hear this on our own it'd be so useful to hear a plant and be like oh crap because animals will tell you for the most part when they need something or if they're unhealthy mm -hmm. but a plant you have to just see it and know what to look for unless we find a way to you know dial into this my house plants are probably like feed me <laughs> give me water and yet my What's plastic this? plants are oddly silent yep. well if um, if all the animals and the plants could talk to us, they'd probably be saying, stop fucking murdering us all. There's hardly any of us left in the wild. Oh, no. Yeah. So it says this newest study that they say is a wake-up call. came out uh, March of 2023, so very recently. Um, and they basically say that if you... If you're trying to measure like how many how many animals there are compared to humans, you, there's different ways you could do that. You could just talk about sheer numbers, but like 
you know, obviously squirrels are a lot smaller than humans and elephants are a lot bigger. Um, so they, they organized it by mass. If you, if you, if you look at how much mass all the humans take up or how much mass all the humans have, I guess, I guess I should say, we amount to about 390 million tons of humanness on the planet, all 8 billion of us compared to just 22 million tons of all living land mammals that are wild. So our takeover is almost complete. We're Excellent. So close. Um, that's the difference. I mean, that's almost 20 times as much humans as there are wild land mammals. Uh, this is not including um, marine mammals, though they estimate marine mammals equate to about, I think they said 50 million tons. So if you do 50 million tons of marine mammals plus uh, the 22 million uh, land mammals, that comes nowhere close to the 390 million uh, tons of humans that are on the earth. So we need, we should have more animal mass to sort of keep us in check. You would probably think so. We, so this is a good argument to have more cows. No, more so this, <laughs> this is not livestock. This is not like chickens or pigs. Um, in fact, they said like pigs alone are nearly double that of the wild land mammals. Oh, geez. Okay. Right. So, so too um, many pigs. Okay. When you take into account uh, all the domesticated animals we have, that's 630 million tons of creatures. It's a lot of pets. Which is about almost double the amount of humans there are. So there's twice as many domesticated animals by tonnage than there are humans, basically. And there are about 30 times as many uh, domesticated animals as there are to wild animals. So they're estimating. Obviously, they can't go out and count every single land mammal. That would be a cool job to have. <laughs> I would do that. Like, they see that squirrel over there? Yeah, he's probably like two kilograms. Mark that <laughs> down. Plus two kilograms. Okay. But also like a tour of all the animals. You'd yeah. see so many cool animals. So, um, if you weren't going off biomass, um, if you're just talking about sheer numbers, um, there are 1,200 species of bats that account to account for one fifth of all land mammal species and two thirds of all individual land, wild animals by head count. So if we're factoring but, in birds, cause their bones are hollow, they don't really make up much mass. Right. They're pretty light. Yeah. So maybe that's And they don't the have clits either. So <laughs> does it really matter? You know, actually, birds, bird populations are down like pretty significantly. There's like 25% as many birds as there were like 100 years ago. People like so to blame watchers. cats for that, like the cats that are allowed to oh, go outdoors. Police. And I'm like, maybe, but also the development is probably what's doing yeah, it. Like, shut up about cats. Eating all those birds. Cats dude. have been hunting birds forever. Our cat got offended by that. Look at her. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I'm doing nothing. I'm inside all day. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, just another uh, heads up, wake up call. Like there are, there's just too many goddamn humans doing too many goddamn things, and there's not enough wildlife. We just need wild areas. You know, there, yeah. there's there's something special about just having wild life, and uh, we're I'm losing cool that. With wildlife. But, but there may be hope. Oh. Some Yale scientists were able to restore cellular function in 32 dead pigs' brains. Is that what we need to do to bring up the mass of animals pigs. to 
<laughs> match zombies, our own. Zombie animals. Um, these pigs were dead for four hours. Oh, jeez. And then they hooked them up to this machine they're calling Brain X. Real, real is clever. That, wait a minute. Is that like SpaceX? Like, is it the same people doing this? What it's if it was? Similar. Okay. Brain X. And it's brain and then EX, not just brain and then the letter X. So it's oh, not okay. exactly like so SpaceX. So it's not this, yeah. <laughs> but Brain X is an artificial <laughs> perfusion system. It's a system that, like, pumps fluids and blood-like fluids through the brain oh. to give nutrients to the brain cells so that... The, again, these brains have been dead. They've been actually removed from the skulls of the pigs at the Department of Agricultural Slaughterhouse in the U.S. They removed the brains from the pigs' heads, and then they hooked up to this perfusion system, pumped it full of these fluids that's kind of like pumping like a synthetic blood, basically, bringing oxygen, nutrients, and sugar to these cells. And these cells started consuming and metabolizing the sugars, and the immune system kicked in. And some of the um, some neuron samples could carry an electrical signal, and some brain cells even responded to drugs. And they were able to keep these brains functioning like this for uh, 36 hours. And they think they might have been able to keep it going on for even longer. Hmm. Um, but like, Igor, bring me my big brain. I know, yeah. and it's, but then I think, I mean, yes, obviously, like in the wider scope of science, this is interesting and encouraging because it could lead to other things and whatever. But like, looking at it just on paper, what is the point of keeping a brain alive? The brain can't do anything without Nina, a body. What you've watched Futurama so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, at least <laughs> they had, had heads. You should know the answer. There's to no this. pig head. It's just the brain. I'm sure they'll be able to. You know, it's just the first step. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Come on now. It's the first step. Of a, Don't a you want to keep journey. Grandma in a jar for the rest of your life? <laughs> well. Not that way. I mean, Humanity's I think... ever-growing obsession with longevity and immortality. Yeah, it's Keep fine. the brain alive. Like, it's, it's good for things to end. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's it. Like, and then you go to the next step. But this is kind of like... I mean, I get that it's pigs and it's different. But, like, if we start doing it with people, it kind of feels like we'd be preventing people from taking the next metaphysical step into, like, a spiritual journey. Like... Why would you want to live to be longer than a hundred, for instance? Like that's enough time. What if you want to live longer to be longer than forty, though? What if uh, you've got some kind of brain thing? You're like, oh shit, dude, you're gonna fucking die. And you're like, dude, I'm only like forty. I want to keep on going. Yeah, like, give me brain X. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, brain I know. Brain X might be able to keep you going even longer. I know there's exceptions, I guess, but I think right? car accident. Yeah. Or, you know, dolphin accident. You know. <laughs> um. An interesting <laughs> ethics thing they uh, they brought up in this article is um, when it, it is uh, uh, or, organ donating, organ, do, organ donating, donating, donor. Well, a donor like organ donors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owner, uh, yeah, or, donor. It's hard to say if you try to say organ donor and yeah. Oh wait, quick survey: <laughs> Who of the three of us has organ donor marked on their driver's license? I don't even know if I do. I know I don't. <laughs> Fuck no. No. <laughs> People have given me crap about that in the past. Yeah, brilliant. I wanted to bring it up thinking it'd be controversial, but it won't. it's not. I don't care. I, I want to keep all myself intact. Like, I'm, that's just how I feel about it. I'm just not going to fill out the paperwork. I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't want to do the paperwork. It's, not, it's like literally a checkbox you put on your driver's license. That's no. <laughs> That's it. And Not I always gonna, make sure nothing is there because no. I, I don't want to be carved up. If I'm doing that, it means I'm at the DMV, which means I don't want to be there, which means I'm not going to add any additional steps. No, you get it 
as part of your new driver's license, they give you the little paper card. They didn't send it to me last time. Well, maybe Remember they know better, I guess. They were like, this guy's not even going to put a check <laughs> in a box. Track. No. Yeah. Okay. Not doing so it. So the ethical thing, if you're an organ donor. So when they, when you can't obviously harvest someone's uh, organs until they're dead, right? Oh, you can't? <laughs> I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> um, what, you're not technically dead until... There's no more brain activity. Mm. So Uh-oh. they said like, if we keep on sustaining these brains artificially, whether it's like fully conscious or just kind of in this vegetative state or whatever, we can't harvest their organs. Yeah. It's- Wait, but why is that? I mean, I, okay. So people were saying this technology, the idea of it is great, but what if this? Is yeah. That what if, what if we keep the brains alive and they're like, wait, you can't take that person as long as the brain is still alive. But you don't have to. Are they saying then if someone is like at the point where you're like, pull the plug or not, they're in a vegetative state, but this technology would give them brain activity versus just right. like the, the circulatory system. This could them? possibly do like, so they want to be uh, explicit in that there was no brain activity with this stuff. Like there is cellular action, but there is no, there's no consciousness. There is no, no other things. And the brains were detached. They were, you know, the brains weren't carrying out the functions of the rest yeah. of the organs and, and, this uh, to me is like system. an iron lung for your brain. Like it's not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So far it's kind of like an iron lung for your brain. So yeah, it seemed like a weird, just like, but what about the organ donors? <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? There's always some objection. That's the, like everyone wants to weigh in, yeah. you know? Um, and let's see here. Do, 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 do. Um, so yeah, well, when the, oddly enough when so when they when you have a dead person and you're like okay um let's harvest their kidneys let's harvest their heart or their liver Mm. for donations no you have to keep blood flushing through those organs yeah to keep them vibrant and healthy and and as you know alive as possible they put a little blocker in so that blood doesn't get into the brain so that the brain doesn't wake up come yeah. back online oh they already do that they already take so these they know if they did measures that could happen well i don't know if they know uh, you know well i'm I don't saying know. like the the fact that they have to do that means that like what does that mean if they don't put the blocker there couldn't we just wake the person back up like why aren't we exploring that technology Well, because like if you're flushing blood through the brain you might be like it's it's still alive because if the brain has still got a blood source and it's still getting circulation, it's technically still alive. Yeah. So they put in a thoracic aortic occlusion balloon to prevent that blood from reaching the brain. But what I'm saying is if they don't put in that blocker, why aren't we like researching that technology more heavily and being like how can we flush the blood through the brain and get these people to like resuscitate basically well i think that that's you basically know? what they do when they're in a vegetative state is they're pumping blood through their bodies and they're like yes yeah. they're they're technically still alive like there's still blood going through their brain and through their heart but it's a machine that's doing it all and like they obviously can't do anything they're just yeah technically alive but not really well, aren't we all technically alive, but not really? <laughs> technically, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is the next uh, an, next frontier in in gen or not genetics, but biology and Gen X. Uh, you know, the medical industry is like keeping the brain live even longer, or like bringing it back from the dead. These these pig brains were dead, dead for four hours. Like maybe they could do it. You know, twenty four hours later, or like, yeah. you know, a month later, if you preserve it. So, 
That's where we're at in today's world, folks. Creepy. I can just imagine these the pigs. Keeping the brain alive. <clears throat> I know. They're gone for four hours. <laughs> and they're right? like, all right, done. And all of a sudden, they're back. and then. But the thing is, there's no sight. There's no touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no hearing. There's right, no it's just, running it's around. It's just the pig's consciousness. Oh, yeah. So right, what would how weird thinking? would that be? To where be am I? Like blind, an animal. To be yeah. blind, deaf, not have any sense of feeling or any, knowing where your body is in space, but still being alive or conscious. But You're especially conscious. as an animal, because, I mean, we don't really know, but we kind of assume that people have more complex thoughts, like an internal monologue, a mm-hmm. sense of self, yeah. wondering, philosophy philosophy you know mm-hmm. animals Johnny's maybe don't have gun. that <laughs> and so if animals don't have that then what are they doing you know like yeah it's a metallica a song one about the mm-hmm. johnny's got his gun mm. at the end of the song i mean the song's about the dude who lost his hearing yeah his sense of touch he can't see he can't speak he can't hear can't do anything it's just him and his thoughts after he stepped on a landmine he's still technically alive mm-hmm. but it's just him and his th- oh I like this episode now. <laughs> I, I was getting kind of bored there. Yeah. Now it went dark. Well, it boils down to one. One. Yep. Darkness! Presenting me! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to copyright strike. Have you heard the new Metallica album? Yeah. Uh-oh. Here we go. I, I've only heard like one song. It was all right. Uh, which one did you hear? Was it Lux Eterna? That's the best song on the album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's like 72 seasons. Is that the name of it? Yeah, 72 seasons. Six years? Or no, 72 18 seasons. 18 years. 18 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, four yeah. seasons in a year. Cool. I, um, this is the first album I've been disappointed with since 2003. St. Anger? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think there's anything. It's just like the riffs are good there's just there's so many like there's just so much filler so much repeating yeah yeah like they'll play the same riff and it's not like a little it's like a whole phrasing right like 16 bars yeah 16 dude, it's times. like they're repeating this bitch like 18 <laughs> times and something it's like where the where's the fucking lyrics that's like the the latest two albums like that it's just like really no, dragged I, out I thought, it's like Hardwired to self-destruct was really good. I loved I never, it. I never listened to it. That one was great, especially the last song on it, "Spit Out the Bone." Fucking wonderful song. Hmm. But yeah, dude, this one—it's just—it's a lot of good ideas, and they're like, "God, this is a good idea." Let's beat it to death. <laughs> like, and it's just—I wonder if that's like an old man thing. Like, if that's just like how your how your musical taste changes when you get older, because it seems to be like old people make music like that <laughs> well it doesn't make any sense because i mean you know i mean they've written seven minute long songs before mm-hmm. right like one there you go mm-hmm. that's a seven like seven minutes and 40 seconds or something like that master of puppets eight minutes uh and justice for all like eight nine ten minutes you know i mean these but they are didn't long feel like repetitive in that way yeah they uh, like there, there was movement in them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. like Reno said, when you're old, you're tired of moving. So maybe yeah. you're just like, you're like, okay, this just, is it. For a while, we're just going to chill right here. Just repeat this 32 and just, times again. And, and that's the thing. It's just like, even though the riffs are good, they aren't good enough to be repeated that many times. 
Like you could literally, it feels like you could trim at least two to three minutes off of these songs. Maybe they already did, and that's what we ended up with. And it's just kind of like, and it's kind of reminiscent of Saint Anger because when they recorded that album, they had these long, drawn-out, very boring instrumental parts where Kirk was supposed to be soloing, but they told him not to because that wasn't the time at the time. <laughs> so it's just like if you listen to the title track Saint Anger, there's just this really weird. It's a very fast song. Like it's one of the fastest songs they've done in the modern era of Metallica. Just straight up very fast kind of shit and it's weird because it's like this really dropped out low down part where it's just the main riff kind of quiet and nothing's going on you're like well what's going to happen it's just do 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 you're like what is that it that was like their uh yeah that was an interesting album it felt like they were trying real hard to just branch out and do something and it was what it was, you know? You know, it's that... I wanted to like it. Right? I wanted, I wanted to, to like it, too. And, and that, I like the title scenario. track. I think the title track is really good. St. Anger is a good yeah. song. They played it when we saw them live uh, yeah. the other year. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know? or uh, There's a couple... Some Kind of Monster isn't a horrible song. Mm-hmm. Frantic gets annoying with the frantic... Well, I assume that's the point, though. I mean, it's it's conveying the emotion of... Yeah, it was a very emotional album. Doesn't mean it was good. (laughs) Well, not all emotional outbursts are good either, you know, so it's like, well... The thing is, is like, but that's something that you could say about St. Anger, is like, you could tell it was a very emotional album. I don't even get that feeling from this new one. It's just, yeah. And this is the first time I've, like... Like, St. Anger, like I said, even though I don't like it, it kind of gets a pass for at least it's raw. Mm-hmm. This just doesn't elicit any feeling doesn't from me. Doesn't have any soul to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. sad because it's fucking Metallica, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, one of my favorite bands of all time, and it's like, I don't know, maybe I need to go back and maybe, give yeah, it another chance. Maybe 10 years, I need to go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually. Maybe I just need to go back and give it another chance. But, like, I mean, we were, what, sitting in the car wash line? Yeah. And we're listening to it, and it just nothing's grabbing your attention. It's kind of like blended in with the car wash. Like yeah. It was perfect car wash music where you're like, I'm sitting here waiting, nothing's happening. I know the car is getting clean, like there's sound coming in. But uh, nothing <laughs> grabbed our attention whatsoever, but except maybe, for the main the main track. That Lex Eterna yeah. track is actually really good. Well, look, yeah. they've they've written so many hits. They've been big for so long. It's like, it can't all be... Well, the, Lux Eterna is a great song. Like, yeah. I listen to it. I'm like, this sounds like Kill 'Em All. I'm Maybe they're this. just getting tired. Like, I think, I imagine that would be so hard. Like, <laughs> tired when, of <laughs> when you've reached the, like, the pinnacle of, you know, recognition in that kind of industry, you know, it's like, you can keep creating, but once you've known what it's like to play for, like, you know those size uh, venues and like have the many fans it's like why would you just keep creating and not put out an album what you know what it's like to be famous how can you just play in your basement again you know well i mean a relatively big band just came to like kind of that realization a uh, godsmack even though they're going to continue touring they're not going to write any new material yeah and didn't they just have a new yeah this a new is the, this is the last one <laughs> and they said like we're just not going to write any more music yeah, they're, or like, maybe this they're, is, they're, we're, they're like we're dropping this album <laughs> like they're gonna write it you know yeah, that's funny. They're like, we're dropping this album, and this is the last album. And they're like, huh. we'll still play like tours and shit like that, but we're at the point right now that everyone's probably going to want to hear the old shit anyway. 
that's cool i can respect that yeah, yeah. like that you know it's not like they didn't record a bunch of albums mm-hmm. you know so, but they're just like yeah you know we feel like this is a good album to go out on we're not going to record anymore we'll still play dude well, yeah. i went and saw uh smashing pumpkins uh, uh i'm so well, jealous the, oh man it's great and like they play some of the new songs and you're just like I want to give it a chance, but like these songs just aren't that good. Just play Zero, dude. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and, like, and that must play be Zero is great. You know, yeah. and, like they've got like dozens of just like great songs. They just came out with a triple album. Yeah, it's probably garbage. I don't think it's garbage. It's uh, probably. I like Z guys. That came out in what oh seven. I yeah. liked Oceana. That was two thousand twelve. They weren't, yeah. but I mean, Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist, I never know how Zeitgeist. to pronounce that Zeitgeist, word. I think. I thought that album was a banger. Like from, I'll have to go back and listen to it. I don't think it's on streaming platforms because everybody hated it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, no. Dude, like, that's, 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 that's how bad it is. You can't no, even stream like, it. Like, for free, basically, but that, almost. Right, like, we'll pay you to listen to Zeitgeist. <laughs> how about that? It's kind of weird because it's like, well, when it was recorded, he didn't bring back James Ea or Darcy. Right. Or it was basically just, it was just the, him and the drummer. It was yeah. uh, Billy and Jimmy. a lot of people mm-hmm. disliked it for that reason, I think. But, but it was raw. It felt like it felt, it went back to like the first of the... Um, Gish. Yeah, yeah, it went back to a gish kind of feel. Yeah. You know, it was very just blazing rock with some dreamy elements and stuff like that. And, you know, it was very raw. It was very straightforward. It was like, imagine the album kind of having the same intensity as like Zero through and Bullet and Butterfly Wings mm-hmm. through the whole entire album. That'd like, be cool. Like, because I mean, well, like you know, a listen. their albums have a lot of these crescendos, right? Like, right, you, right. They you, got lots of ballads and right. And this, you know, this was a Zeke guys was Zeke. a sucker punch. You know, and I liked it. It I was their saint anger, if you will. But it was, <laughs> well, it was better written. Uh, <laughs> the saint anger was it was rough, but <laughs> you know, like that. I liked it, but I guess a lot of people didn't like. It. It's weird because it debuted when on its first week, it was like number two on the Billboard charts. And yeah, people didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, because it's like the return of the, the pumpkins. And yeah. then they're like, oh, maybe. So Billy, I mean, after enough shit talk, Billy's like, all right, if you guys don't like it, fuck it. He yeah. took it down from all the streaming platforms. But I still have my physical copy, so I don't care. Yeah, I think I still actually, I think I bought that album too. No, Probably I thought it was it good. Once or twice. Yeah, there are some real bangers on it, dude. Right, I'm going to list it on the way home. Yeah. That yeah. and 72 seasons. <laughs> I just, man, I really want, I want to because it's fucking Metallica, man. It's one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to fucking put on a Metallica album. <laughs> because I even celebrate Load and Reload. Oh, yeah. There's some fucking good ones on I, I think those are like, especially Load Reload, yeah, you could tell why they didn't release some of those songs, right? Mm-hmm. Fuel is my favorite Metallica song, hands down. Yeah, I, I know Mike hates me for what that. song? Fuel. I don't hate you for Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that. that is How can you argue Ooh. with that? It's like, I like that. the epitome of James Hetfield. Come I like on. that song too. I just never thought it'd be a favorite, right? But well, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have, you know. I mean, my favorite. Well, what's yours? Let me ask that. Favorite Metallica song? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't know what my favorite Metallica song is. The song that got me into Metallica was One. Yeah, One's a great one. But my favorite Dude. is. <laughs> My, I think my favorite is probably Battery or Creeping Death. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
the older stuff for sure. But I mean, like I said, I like Load and Reload. I think those are good albums. Yeah, I liked a couple of songs off those albums. Too. Yeah, I. But they got a lot of hate also. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was <laughs> yeah. a fun little Metallica tangent. Yeah. Yeah. For all of you still with us, our <laughs> animal episode is over. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Six Degrees of Rumination. I'm one of your hosts, Rena Gorman. I'm the other one of your hosts, Nina Boyd. And I'm the only producer, Mike. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>